Thanks to Grammarly for supporting the Apple Bits XL podcast. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to Grammarly.com slash AppleBits with a Z to get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. On this week's episode, we've got a new MacBook Pro battery recall. You don't want to miss that. Then the Apple Watch just getting closer to independence from the iPhone and also that Apple card. That Apple card is coming soon. Let's get to the show. Ah, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. This is the latest, the greatest, the stories that matter from the week that is all things Apple and tech outside of it that has influence or how Apple has influence with it. First of all, want to say thank you so much for those of you who listen and support the show, but you can also support this show at patreon.com slash Brian Tong. I'm completely independent. Supporting the show starts at $2 per month, goes to $5, $10, $25, $100. I have different exclusive content available for my Patreon supporters, as well as like live chats, things like that, fun bonuses. So if you'd like to support me that way, you can. And the biggest thing, an ad-free version, 100% ad-free version of this show. So this is episode 72. Remember, this is all about you all just as much as it is about me. I love it when you call and participate in the show. So use the Voice Memo app on your phone. Record that crisp, sounding, clean message you want to send to me, your name, where you're from, and what you'd like to talk about, comments, questions, points, corrections, all of that, send it into applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z show at gmail.com. All right, let's just jump into the big story that just dropped today, which is Thursday as of this recording. Apple announced the launch of a voluntary recall and replacement program for the 15-inch MacBook Pro models, specifically with Retina displays sold between... September 2015 and February 2017 due to battery failure issues. This was kind of a surprise. Uh, It doesn't mean that every uh, MacBook Pro from that roughly two and a half, three year span is going to be defective, but affected batteries may overheat and pose a fire safety risk. Customer, this is pretty serious According to the story, customers are being asked to stop using affected MacBook Pro units until they can take the steps to get the batteries replaced by following Apple's instructions. This is a big deal. There's Look, there's plenty of you that are rocking your 2015 MacBook Pros because they were badass. So you'll, you'll need to go to Apple's recall program page. You can actually just look it up and search for it online. Type in... 15-inch MacBook Pro battery recall program. And I know that sounds long, but it'll lead you to the page. You'll type in the serial number that is either on the back of your MacBook Pro, really, really small if you have a good magnifying glass, or in your computer, you can go into the top left-hand corner with the Apple logo to About This Mac. Click on that, and then in the list of kind of your overview, it shows you your actual serial number. But... I highly advise this. What happened is a little while back, basically the end of May, 
DJ Panda, DJ White Panda showed off a video where he claimed that basically his MacBook Pro suddenly exploded and burst into flames. They were using the official Apple power adapter to charge it as well. It was smoking a lot and it it wasn't pretty. It, it really was shades of Samsung Note 7. Was that? Yeah. Note 8. Shades of the Note 8. So Apple looked in this and who knows what exactly if it had to do specifically with the battery line being produced from the manufacturers, but go check it out, put in your seal number, get this thing done. And it sucks because a lot of you, honestly, sure some of you are going to ignore this a little because I know how people are. It's like, ah, whatever, it's fine. But at the same time, not that it's a good thing, but you're getting a brand new battery for your MacBook Pro. That's actually a good thing to me. It kind of actually extends the life of it because remember, these are not user replaceable batteries. These are soldered in to the machine. Now, when you also take a look at kind of their overall recall programs, Neelai Patel from The Verge kind of put out an interesting point and looked at this list of all of Apple's exchange and repair extension programs. And there's a lot. And to his point, most of it is a good thing because it exists because Apple has this the ability to support all this. But it's also a bad thing when you think about, look, we know that Apple works on large, massive scales. And it's not the easiest thing. But when you think about this, Apple has a replacement program for an iPhone as far back as the 6 Plus. So every iPhone since then has had some sort of repair service program. That's that's wild to think about. And then the other thing that sticks out to me when I look at this list, obviously there were new MacBook Pros that were released and we heard known about all the keyboard issues it's had. Even the new MacBook Pros and uh, have even their new keyboards with the new material also qualify for their keyboard service repair program when I guess they assume eventually, even if they use new materials, they're still going to, they're fundamentally the same keyboard. It's still going to have some issues. So we've talked a lot about it, how the QC quality control at Apple has evolved and changed over the years. They are a larger scale company. I'm not making any excuses for them. It is more difficult. And look, Yes, I couldn't do one one thousandth of what these amazing people that make tech products across the board do. I love them. Much like all those people that signed that Game of Thrones petition to redo the season. If you watch the behind the scenes making of uh, the last scenes of Game of Thrones, none of you could do one one thousandth of what those people did to make that show. So don't tell me redo the whole season and sign a petition. I'm not signing a petition when Apple does things that are dumb or stupid or doesn't come through. I'm just bringing it up because I know what they're capable of and expect that still, even if my expectations have lowered because they're so much bigger. It's okay to want like the best things if if the company claims to be the best at what they do and continue to ride that. If they're going to ride that, I'm going to keep riding that. So just get it checked out. Just kind of a little eye-opener when you see it all stacked up as far back as the iPhone 6 Plus. Wow. Sticking with the Mac world, a new report says the Apple News, voice memos, home, and stock apps on the Mac, 
They're going to be getting major updates, according to software chief Craig Federighi. He talked in an interview about how people had kind of complained that in macOS Mojave, the news, the voice memo apps, the home and stock apps were pretty much basically iOS ported apps. And I would agree. I didn't care that much because it wasn't like I was using these things daily and I really, really cared. Like I don't do voice memos on my Mac. I do it on my phone. That's what I use it for. So we know that with Project Catalyst, aka Undercover Marzipan, their whole new platform for developing apps and making it easier for iOS apps to then also translate over to the Mac. Specifically, they're focusing on iPad apps to the Mac OS first, and then the eventual evolution is one app will work on all three platforms. So since their Mac launch of these four apps looked so much like iOS, Federighi says the plan is to redo them and kind of give them a more Mac OS feel. In his reasoning, and this is a quote from the article, he says, we've looked at the design and features of some of those apps and said, we can make this a bit more of a Mac experience through changes that are independent of the use of Catalyst, but are really just design team decisions. When I read some of the initial reviews of these apps, people were saying, obviously, this technology is causing them to do things that don't feel Mac-like. 90% of those decisions were decisions that designers made. So he's kind of actually throwing his designers under the bus. He's not saying it technically wasn't possible. He was just saying, hey, they went with the whole iOS feel. But I do like this. He's Again, he pounds it. It was a designer preference. So part of the upgrade, as we said, we're going to co-evolve with our user base around the aesthetics of the Mac experience. And so we made some adjustments to the apps. Now, these new four apps revamped specifically be more Mac OS like the new Apple News, Voice Memos, Home, and Stock apps. They are not in Mac OS Catalina right now in the beta, but they're expecting to see them pretty soon in an upcoming launch. So they're still tuning it up is what he says. Interesting. It's like, it's kind of interesting to see how things evolve where like iOS took such a huge priority that look, every the iPhone was at its peak. Now it's plateaued. Things are starting to feel, quite honestly, even though I, I finally put an iOS version on a phone that I had that can support it, that's not my main driver because I'm not gonna do that. So I, it, I'm not really using it too much. And quite honestly, I put it on dark mode and I can't use dark mode the entire day. I can't, I don't even think I can really do it at night that much. I don't know about you all when you get it. I can't wait. You know, you heard me say, ah, I dark mode is cool, but it's a little overrated. I know there are certain people that are going to really not only love it, but they need it because of their eyesight. But I'm really curious once it comes out to find out what you all really, really think about it after it's all said and done and in your hands, because I just, I don't use it enough. Maybe it's just my eyes. Sticking with developers, software, new improvements. Oh my goodness. These two stories that dropped got me really excited about Watch OS 6. Now, when the Apple Watch 3 came out and after they had finally revamped Watch OS 3, which to me was one of the best things they did because they pretty much scrapped the first evolution of Watch OS and said, uh, this is not good enough. And I thought it was it was not good at all. And they gave us the new interface and the new UI, which really made a lot more sense. That's when I felt like, hey, the Apple Watch is starting to really evolve and ready to go. The hardware with the 
Apple Watch Series 4, again, you know I'm all about it. Well, watchOS 6 is getting me freaking giddy. WatchOS 6, one of the new developments is it's going to allow users to delete many of the built-in apps on Apple Watch. This is according to a report from TechCrunch. So you'll be able to delete things like the alarm, timer, stopwatch, remote camera, camera remote, radio, walkie-talkie. Oh, I thought I'd love walkie-talkie, but I barely use that thing. It's like fun, and then I've never used it since. Now, here's why I love this. We don't need the iPhone to be the complete kind of facilitator of what's happening on the Apple Watch moving forward with watchOS 6. There's also a lot of other indicators of how they're planning to evolve this. We already know. Remember, they told us the streaming audio API for Apple Watch is coming in watchOS 6. So if you're listening to sports, radio, sports games, things like Spotify, audiobooks, Pandora, things like that, you won't need your watch, or sorry, you won't need your iPhone to be the connection that allows that to happen. You can just do it all on your LTE Apple Watch. That is one of those big moment, moments where I'm like, hey, we're starting to get a more independent Apple Watch. One of my number one requests is let's untether the Apple Watch from the iPhone once we hit the Series 3, which I felt was at a point where I'm like, you know what, this is a really capable watch. We already know the App Store. Apple Watch is getting its own app store in Watch OS 6. I freaking love that. We can start downloading apps specifically on the Apple Watch. We don't need the iPhone. Then we start talking about this. You're going to be able to delete many of the built-in apps on the Apple Watch so you don't have to use the phone to manage all that. And then let's just put the let's just put the cherry on top here. According to another find in the settings general software update, the Apple Watch is going to get over-the-air software updates as part of the OS. Now, right now, the iPhone is still required. But this whole decoupling, this whole freedom of the Apple Watch, it's a coming. And I am just absolutely juiced about this. I love this. So these four big things, the ability to delete built-in apps on the Apple Watch. You don't need the iPhone for that. We have an app store coming to the Apple Watch. That's two. The third one, streaming audio without the need for the iPhone. That's three. And then number four, over-the-air software updates for the Apple Watch without the need for the iPhone coming soon? This is beautiful. And this is also going to help it just explode If Android Watch users were worried that, oh, we get no love, they should be even more worried once the Apple Watch goes 100% independent. I mean, we're getting there. What? Will they actually kind of give it the nudge with the Series 5 watch? And then just say, okay, Watch OS 6 is out, Series 5 watch. Apple Watch Series 4 and 5, you can completely be independent from the iPhone. Sync it up to iCloud with your settings and all that. Uh, this is exciting. Also, when you just look at the tea leaves, look at the industry and how it's moving, the Apple Watch is poised to remain the leader for smartwatches, according to research firm IDC. So they're pretty much projecting that Apple will remain largely unchallenged in this category, expecting to retain 
25.9% of the market by 2023, slightly down from what they estimated as 27.4 in March. When And you think about this, okay, some of you might think, ah, 27.4% back in March isn't that much, but if you look at all the other competitors, Xiaomi, 12.6%, Huawei, 9.6%, Fitbit, 9.4%, Samsung, 6.8%. The others, the others, just this super mishmash of whatever, makes up 34.3%. So the closest competitor to Apple in the smartwatch market right now for shipment volume, Apple's at 27.4, Xiaomi at 12.6. So more than doubling that as of that March report. They're beasting and they're only getting better. I'm, again, it's an amazing device. I love the damn thing. I love it. Also, another thing to love, and this one probably, I there's a rational love for it. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know the one that I say, I gotta have it, even though I don't need it. Why? Because the credit card is titanium. Thousands of Apple retail workers are now testing the Apple card ahead of its summer launch, according to Bloomberg. Previously, only corporate employees were able to test out the Apple card, but they're now expanding it to the larger retail workers in an internal beta program that launched this week. I'm still fascinated about this card. Yeah, it's titanium. Yeah, for me, business purchases, you'll get, you already get a little bump in discount from Apple, but you'll get this uh, 3% cash back on Apple purchases. Fine, that helps. But I am fascinated about how it's completely tracked through an app. You can see your spending habits, how you pay your bills, it's all going to be basically organized on that. I know a lot of people probably use an app like Mint. And yes, it pulls in multiple credit cards and multiple accounts. So maybe this is where this will fall short because let's be real, most of us don't just use one single credit card. But I'm still fascinated at the idea of this titanium Apple card. They say that the interest rates or the APRs will be between 13.24% and 24. Two four percent, woo! Same range that we provided to customers. So make sure you pay those bills. But look, it's coming soon. I think we're already on the fourth beta of iOS twelve point four. Employees using the card are actually running iOS twelve point four on their devices that allow it to be supported right now for this test. So look for it to come soon. I can't wait. Really, really cool. Thanks to Grammarly for supporting our podcast. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. They encourage everyone, even the best students and top professionals, to use Grammarly to do their best work and accomplish even more of their goals. Grammarly is a writing assistant that makes you look and sound smarter. So to start off this year, improve yourself and your communication at school, work, and almost anywhere with Grammarly. It's available across platforms including online browser extensions, desktop editor, and a mobile keyboard checker. Grammarly is available on multiple browsers, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, Edge, and platforms like iOS, Android, Windows, and Mac. And the free product reviews critical spelling and grammar. Grammarly Premium looks out for spelling, 
grammar, plus advanced punctuation, structure, style with context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness, and readability for different occasions like a business proposal or an academic essay. And I know I pretty much need all of the above. Now stop making email typos on your phone, close more deals at work this year with your emails, and polish your resume to get that new job. Grammarly is going to help you accomplish those goals. Now, I installed the plugin on my browser and it worked everywhere from emails to tweets to comments in YouTube and it was pretty seamless. It didn't get in my way at all and I still use it every day now on multiple computers because I actually like it. Now there's punctuation and contextual spelling checkers in the premium Grammarly account. You also have plagiarism detection and it still works across the web. So go to Grammarly.com slash AppleBits to get 20% off your Grammarly premium account today. That's Grammarly.com slash AppleBits with a Z for 20% off your Grammarly premium account. All right, let's kind of update you with some other smaller stories. Hey, Apple's out of the airport business, but they're still cranking away firmware updates. Apple just released a firmware security update for the discontinued Airport Express, Airport Extreme, and Time Capsule base stations. And I know there are plenty of you that still use those. I, my parents, I have them set up with an Airport Extreme. It's it's still running. It's a security update. So even though it's been long discontinued, this firmware update 7.8.1 improves the security of your base station recommended for all Apple 802.11 and Wi-Fi base stations. You can update the latest firmware via the airport utility app on either Mac OS or iOS. Just look it up and just wanted to let you know. See, they still do support legacy products from as far back as 2007. Whatever. Don't say they don't. All right. Also, kind of outside of the Apple world, but just showing how Apple has affected other companies. This just dropped this week. Google's discontinuing making tablets. They officially said they have no future plans to release any additional tablets. And their senior vice president of devices and services, Rick Osterloh, went on Twitter and said, hey, it's true. Google's hardware team will be solely focused on building laptops moving forward. But make no mistake, Android and Chrome OS teams are 100% committed for the long run on working with our partners and tablets for all segments of the market, consumer, enterprise, and education. So, look, I reviewed the Pixel Slate, the recent one from 2018, and it had a whole lot of lot of just problems and issues that just didn't make it. When you looked at what the iPad Pro was doing and what the Surface Pro was doing, they weren't just like a little behind, they were way behind. So, it's unfortunate because I think right now, the only viable, how about at least in the U.S. market that we're seeing for this real hybrid tablet device is the Surface Pro with the iPad Pro now just starting to get there behind them. Yes, it is semi-hybrid, but just not on the level of the Microsoft Surface Pro yet. And you know what? Everything Apple is showing us with iPad OS is that they're going to move in towards a more hybrid direction, even if it takes two more years or so. But the Pixel Slate needed the 2018 model really just needed some help across the board and there was literally no no interest in it whatsoever apple has dominated worldwide shipments for ipads as well so just the number itself apple made up 
at least roughly if you look back um, towards the end of last year, they made up 26.6% share of the worldwide tablet market, according to IDC. Samsung finished runner-up at 14.6%. So again, Apple, not only with the Apple Watch, but with the iPad Pro, pretty much either doubling or close to doubling worldwide shipments. And those are the two hottest products from Apple because of their innovation and what they've been doing with those two products. Yes, Surface Pro is ahead of the iPad Pro, but from an Apple ecosystem standpoint, those are still the two most exciting products that Apple has. Until they shake it up with whatever they come out with this fall. And I don't think it's going to be the iPhone. I think iPad Pro and Apple Watch will continue to be the most exciting products from Apple. Because it ain't going to be the HomePod. Just saying. But if it is, you can all refer back to episode 72 and tell me, Brian, you were flat out wrong. You wrong, Tong. All right, in other news, AT&T named 2019's fastest U.S. mobile network in the annual PC Mag Carrier Showdown. I wanted to bring this up to you all because, yes, we all have phones that require networks. So AT&T came in with a score of 97 out of 100, Verizon 94, T-Mobile 91, Sprint 82. This is based on overall speed and reliability compared to last year. Um, look, their metric is they're testing out. This is not because of 5G or anything like that. They talk about the overall improvements. AT&T won or tied for first place in 15 of the 30 cities tested in the U.S. and tied or came out on top in all rural regions. AT&T was the top overall in the Northwest, Southwest, North Central, Northeast. Verizon won in the South Central region, and T-Mobile came out ahead in the Southeast. I'm in California. That is the West. The West Coast is the best coast. And AT&T won there. So just some information for you all. They've been making improvements to their 4G network. Yes, they've been labeling them as 5GE, which is stupid, but whatever. I'm not going to rant and rave about it, although I have plenty of times. It's just like I'm over it, whatever. Do what you do, AT&T. Do what you do. Also, you know, the thing about that, I talk about the Qualcomm modems versus the Intel modems. And even in recent studies or comparison tests, Qualcomm's modems from a performance standpoint, they were actually outperforming Intel-based modems. Like, So for example, the Galaxy S10 versus something like the iPhone, um, iPhone XS Max. If you look at a recent report, just as recent as the end of April of 2019 from Speedtest, Galaxy S10 phones using a Qualcomm-based modem were basically roughly 19, about pretty much 20% faster in average download speed versus Intel-based Qualcomm ones. And also significantly better performers with low signal. Yeah. Apple can't, can't wait to get Qualcomm modems back in their phones. They need them. And people are going to feel a difference. I am I feel like people are going to be like, when that happens in the 2020 iPhone, people are like, wow, does your, does your phone feel faster? And I'm going to say, yep, it's because of that Qualcomm modem. 
maybe because 5G will be out by then too. That that might contribute to it. And then the last two stories, just really, really fun stuff. All that nostalgia for gamers out there. Nintendo's Dr. Mario World game will be launching on iOS on July 10th. It's me, Mario! Yes, I know that's not the Dr. Mario sound, okay? So don't don't get all... That's not... That's Super Mario Brothers. That's not... That's Mario World. That's not Dr. Mario World. Fine. It's basically like the matching game with colored pills. It's their bejeweled, put three in a row, knock them out, eliminate the viruses. It's coming to iOS. And here's the thing. We had like Super Mario Run, which was all right, whatever. That's like a lame game, if you ask me. Dr. Mario World is coming. I asked for this like five, six years ago. All they had to do was just port their classic game, sell them for five to 10 bucks, and they'd be raking, raking that in. They don't need to keep that on their Nintendo products. Put it on the iOS. See how much money you make and thank me later. And then use all that money to develop like the next dope console because the Switch is badass. Another game coming to iOS, launching a little earlier. What does that sound like? It's not Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Augmented reality game, Harry Potter Wizards Unite, launching early on the iOS app store. It's actually already out. This is from Nanantic. You know that name from Pokemon Go? Is that is that a familiar game? So what they've done is they've added kind of like this world of wizardry. Wizardry, I can't even pronounce that. You can explore iconic wizarding world locations that are based on the real world. Ooh. So you, you can kind of go around to find magical artifacts, creatures, and other wizards. Now, I will say that reviews are a little lukewarm because when you see a lot of headlines like, yeah, you can't strike lightning twice. Maybe it's just because it feels a little played out. I'm going to I'm gonna attack it. I'm going to check it out. But, you know, I'm not like of the super hardcore generation that was like Harry Potter was my jam. I'm a little before that. And I'll be the first to admit, I haven't actually seen all the Harry Potter movies. Is that, is that bad? Is that, a, is that a bad apple? Ew. Maybe. I don't care. YOLO. <laughs> so anyways, uh, Dr. Mario World and Harry Potter come into iOS. And the Harry Potter game, Wizarding World, or Wizarding, Wizards Unite is already out. Okay, I say let's take some time here and get to the calls. I love how you continue to contribute to the show. Call in by recording a voice memo and then sending it to me, applebitsshow at gmail.com. We're going to start off with my man, Trevor. Hey, Brian. This is Trevor from Arizona. Do you think we're going to see another iPhone SE? I mean, they just released an iPod that has brand new guts in it. The way Apple's working, I mean, I could see them putting the new iPod guts into one of those old iPhone 5 cases, put a modem in there. It's a brand new iPhone uh, compatible with the newest iOS. What do you think? All right, Trevor, thanks for calling. Hey, you know what? First of all, I'm going to say never say never because Apple dropped a new iPod touch on us this year. My good with the same design from was it as far back as like 2012 if my brain remembers properly that's how that's how retro they want to that's how they don't care they're like you know what someone's going to buy it 
we got these extra parts laying around. Someone's going to buy it. It's cheap to make this stuff. So will I never say never? No. I think I really think that we could see an iPhone SE 2, but I just don't know if we'll see it. It won't be the same form factor that it was, even though that is a classic design that so many people still have this real strong emotional connection to. So remember, there were all these rumors of like a budget version of an iPhone 10, which ended up being the 10R and not an iPhone SE. I don't think we're going to get a replacement that's as small as the SE will is, but because Apple's trying to hit every price point, and yeah, you could say, okay, fine, they're just going to always take that lowest price iPhone from an iPhone that was three or four years ago and make it that thing. I'm going to, I have no Intel, no real information on this, but considering the fact that they brought back the iPod touch, I'm going to say when I used to think the chances of seeing an iPhone SE two were slim to none, I think they're greater than that. So we'll see. Will they even call it the iPhone SE two? Maybe not, but could something come back that and take its place in the product line? Absolutely. So let's think positive. If I feel like you're the type of guy that wants to see the iPhone SE come back, otherwise you wouldn't have thrown that bone out. So I'm going to say, yeah, yeah, let's do it. iPhone SE 2, the comeback starts right now, just for Trevor. All right, let's get to our next call. David, holla. Hey, Brian, it's David over in San Antonio, giving you another call back. It's a couple weeks off for some me time after our Spurs got knocked out. You know how it is. Uh, you're not too, feeling too well either from the Warriors, I'm sure. Anyways, um, I was just calling, you know, uh, I was curious. I got an email from Aspire, the, uh, one of the few game companies that ports uh, games over from Windows to, to Mac. And um, it was interesting because they, they pointed out the, uh, the lack of 32-bit support after this new Catalina update comes out, which, you know, Apple talked about it about two years ago, give or take. And uh, once they brought it up, they never really brought it up again. Um, I, I'm not sure how much developers have been getting the warning or not, but every time I start up one of these apps, you know, you get the little the warning saying you're, it's not optimized um, for the next update coming out. And I'm just wondering how many developers you think are actually on board with this and how many think are going to be left behind. Because uh, like I said, it hasn't really been making any headlines or anything like that. And it's kind of got me worried that maybe some of my my apps are going to get left behind. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, keep up with the great work. Thanks, bud. All right. This is, this is, I love this because this is one of those things that you don't think about. I don't have the official answer or I couldn't even come up with the answer of how many developers actually know about this right? But there are, or not know about this, how much, how many developers actually are taking care of their apps to move them forward with the next generation. Basically, it's already here, 64-bit app support. Now, I will be, I will admit and come clean that though I don't use, I barely have any apps that have this warning that basically say, you know, it's not optimized for your Mac. The only one that I do have that I use once in a while is an old version of Microsoft Word. No joke. And then you're like, wait, you use Microsoft Word? Yeah, I don't pay for the subscription one. I use the old, old, old one that is still a 32-bit app. So I always get that warning. Now, here's the best thing that I can say for you to kind of, if you want to reach out to developers, because there are certain apps that you might use that you need, you absolutely need to run. And I have a literally the app that I use to record the audio that I use um, when I do FaceTime audio calls because they're really clean when I have guests on the show. It's an old school app. It's not 64-bit ready. So I deliberately have not updated the software on the computer that I use to record that 
specifically because that app won't work. And yeah, I could use Skype down the road, but FaceTime audio just sounds better. So here's what you can do if you wanna check if an app of yours that is crucial to your workflow and what you use is 64-bit compatible. So we go to the little Apple symbol in the top left-hand corner of our computers. You know what I'm talking about. Top left, top left, go there. Click on the About This Mac. And then there's an option at the bottom of that window called System Report. Click on that. Scroll down and on the sidebar, you'll see the word on the software list on the sidebar. And then select Applications. Now, just kind of wait for it to load. And what you can actually do is then see all your applications and then it tells you which ones are 64-bit ready. It'll say yes or no to that. So that's an easy way. And why that helps is because if you have a crucial app that you need moving forward once a Mac OS Catalina hits, because I believe Catalina is when 32-bit app support will no longer be available, which is obviously why David is calling. This is how you find out and this is how you can reach out to the developer. So let me actually, you know what? I'm going to do this right. I'm going to do this right now. Let's go to find Microsoft. Yeah, I just went to Microsoft Word and Excel that I use on this old computer. 64-bit, big fat no. There, It's in columns. It'll tell you. It says application name, version, obtained from, last modified, 64-bit, and it'll say yes or no. Mine says big no's. So you can rewind back to this podcast if you want to find out, again, where to find that. But that is how you can find out which apps are compatible for this kind of... Apple's warned us for a long time, quite honestly. So you kind of should get on it by now, developers. Okay, here we go. Next call coming up from my man, Hafiz. Hey, Brian. Uh, This is Hafiz from Malaysia. Uh, I just like to say that I'm very uh, excited to see the sidecar feature for my iPad Pro and my... Uh, and the new uh, Mac OS Catalina. I usually, almost every single day, use the Keynote and the PowerPoint, but when I wanted to edit it at my iPad, I have to send it to my iCloud and upload it back to the computer. So with this iCloud, I just can send it the, send the slides back to iPad, use the, uh, use the pen, I use the pencil, and then slide it all back in, and now we're good to go. Can't wait for that feature to come in, and excited for the future. Thank you. Bye. Peace. <laughs> I I can hear the energy and enthusiasm that you have, Havis. You're like, yo, I'm ready to roll. Let's do this. Yeah, Sidecar is going to be great for a lot of people. It'll be interesting to see what, you know, as it's using it as a second screen. I don't know if all apps, how the functionality will really work because I've got to imagine some apps will probably work better than others on it. So I'm very curious to see. And then also, if Apple does any specific tricks or bells and whistles for some of their own native apps, that'll be actually what I could think could be really cool and special. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. All right, next up, we got a call from Jason. Hey, Brian, recently took your advice and got the Powerbeats 3, which I love for my runs. I love the tight integration with the iPhone. But when I got them up and running and opened them, I was surprised that they connect with a lightning cable. I mean, I get it because of the Apple affiliation now, but I think to the general public, Beats is kind of seen as something that anybody could get. But I think an Android user or somebody outside of the ecosystem opening that up would be surprised that it's a lightning cable. And then 
not have duplicates to charge those headphones when they were other places. Now, granted, the battery life is great. You're not going to have to charge it that much, but you lose that cable, you're not going to have an easy one to interchangeably replace it with. So it's just really weird to me that it's not USB-C or something. So just wondering your thoughts on that and what Apple's thinking there other than they're always looking to sell more freaking cables. All right, man? Love the show. Take it easy. Jason, thanks so much for calling. And, you know, when I think about it, they're looking to sell more cables. (laughs) I mean, we know this. Like, Apple is notorious for this. If I recall right, I mean, see, sometimes we don't think about this, and I'm really glad you brought this up as a point. I don't even think it came with a lightning cable, right? I'm almost 99% sure now that I think about it, the Powerbeats Pro didn't come with a charging cable. You just look at it like, oh, it's lightning. And you're like, no USB-C? Okay, fine. And here's the other thing, right? We all know it's an Apple product. Apple owns Beats. But yeah, they're making more, they're making more money on that. I... At the same time, you know, the assumption is you already have a lightning cable somewhere if you're getting the Powerbeats Pro, so I get that too. But they're still always looking to sell more cables. Those great, durable, really durable lightning cables. Oh man, we're we're so happy about those cables. All right, thanks everybody again so much for your calls. Remember to call in again. Record a voice memo. I love how you're all doing it and really using it to the max. Applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's Applebits with a Z. And also, nothing but love for Patreon supporters at the Platinum Apple $100 level. My goodness, thank you so much. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Freider, Jarrett Lewis, and Calvin Fatakar. And also, again, patreon.com slash Tong. The way to support the show, starting at $2 a month, it supports everything I do, podcasts, videos, and then also continue to bring you more exclusive content for those of you who support me on that platform. So thanks again. Also, five-star review on iTunes. Put your little comments, what you like about it. Yeah, actually, yes, what you like about this show. Not all the bad stuff, but uh, appreciate all the support once again. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Take care. Be safe. We'll talk to you soon. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace.